from your mind and your whole being. In the last part of this series, we're, we're uh, in, we spoke last, uh, it's been two or three weeks ago now, when, on that subject of uh, stopping immorality. Remember? Some of y'all might not have been here, but that was the last part. And remember, I gave you many verses of Scripture to help you see what the Word of God has to say about the moral boundaries of our lust of the flesh and how many today, so many today are yielding to the desires of, a, of our flesh in total opposition to what the Word, the truth of God's Word, has to say about this subject, has to say about it. So here's the truth again, and let me just read. I'm just going to read two verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 and 13. It says this, It's true that our freedom... Our freedom as Christians allows us to do anything, but that doesn't mean that everything we do is good for us. I'm free to do as I choose, but I choose to never be enslaved to anything. You know what, you know what, people, I don't know if you realize this. You think, you think that because you just continue to do this one thing over and over again, this one sin continues, you, you just yield to it over and over again. That you're just you're just sinning, but it's a bondage. You're enslaved to that. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a teaching here in a few weeks on how to be set free. And I think there are a bunch of us in this room today that could say, "Yeah, you're right, Pastor. There's this there's this thing I do all the time. I do it all the time, and I can't say no to it. And I'm just I just yield to it." God's going to set us free. I'm looking forward to Set Free Sunday. Are you? Yes. Whoop! It's coming. Probably do it in February sometime. I'm not sure yet, but, but it's coming. Amen. That'll be a great month to do it. That's a love month. But, but it's bondage. It's really bondage. So it's just like that verse says, I choose to never be enslaved to anything. And verse 13 says, Some have said, I eat to live and I live to eat. But God will do away with it all. The body was not created for illicit sex, but to serve and worship our Lord Jesus. This is what the body was created for. Yes. Who can fill the body with himself. Yes. Wow. And that's where we want to get. Where he fills us with his fullness. We don't want to be self-gratifiers. We want to be God glorifiers. Amen. Our bodies, and this is in my notes, our bodies are for the Lord, and the Lord is for our body. Our bodies have been created not only by God, but also for God. We are driven today by whatever can bring our bodies the most pleasure. Right? Man, I'm hungry. I, I, I want something to eat. You know? And y'all probably getting that way right now. Uh, you know, but but we listen. There are things. Uh, there are I don't know how to say this. But there are things we desire from the lust of our flesh that are sinful, and God says no. They're out of the bounds, out of the boundaries, you know. And God says no to them. But we we are enslaved to those things. We are addicted in a sense, you might say. And we we need to learn that uh, God wants to help us to get free. From those things. 
But but that's the truth. We are driven today by whatever can bring our bodies the most pleasure. What we can eat, what we can touch, what we can watch, what we do, what we listen to, or engage in to satisfy the cravings of our bodies, our, our natural bodies, our natural physical bodies. Is it, do you all agree with that? Yes. You smell something, man, man, Kim gets a cooking in there, I want it. I want to get up and go get it. Yeah. We, we're, 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 we crave from our natural senses, things that we see and everything. There's, a, there's just a huge cultural ocean out there, too, that cries out with every wave, gratify your body. Come on. The cravings. The lust of the flesh. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying? I remember when back in the 60s, we grew, I grew up in the 60s. Love the one you're with. That was a song on the radio. Big hit. Number one, probably. I don't remember. But if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That was, that was the culture of the day. And I didn't think anything of it. I was a teenager. We was crazy. We were crazy. Anybody else grow up in the 60s? No, old people. But let me ask you a few important questions. We're going, to get, we're going to get through here in a minute. But what if our bodies haven't ultimately been created for self-gratification? You know, being on a diet, I'm not really calling myself on a diet, but I watch, I'm careful to watch until I get in a Mexican restaurant. How, who can deny the chips and salsa and the queso? Who can say no to that? Mm. But what if our bodies haven't ultimately been created for self-gratification? Just whatever it is, it's gotta, i got to have it, you know. What if our bodies have actually been created for God-glorification? Uh, yeah. And even better, what if... What if God glorification, or, or, or we could say it like, or being a God glorifier, listen, what if God glorification is actually the way to experience the greatest satisfaction in our bodies? What if God glorification is actually the best way to experience that fullness in our bodies? Meets all our needs. Have you ever just fell in love with Jesus and just had the time of your life? I mean, there's been those moments, I know, when I've gotten in worship in some meetings and just laid back and just soaked it, soaked it up. Amen. First, uh, First Corinthians 6.13 in the New Living Testament says it like this, Our bodies were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our bodies. Do you know He cares about how your bodies feel and He wants you healthy? He wants you uh, to uh, feel good and, and joyful in life. He's not trying to keep you from having fun. But not only are our, our bodies designed for God, but God is devoted to our bodies. Literally, He's for your body. And He's for your joy. He's for your enjoyment and your pleasure and your fulfillment in life. He's for all of that for you. And we just think it's some other way. But God is, is for you. He wants you to be healthy. He wants, your, he wants you to have well-being in, in your mind, in, your, in every area, your three-part, spirit, soul, and body. He wants you to experience the fullness of Him in all three phases. 
God wants you to experience the maximum joy for which your body is built. And as the creator of our bodies, he knows what will bring them the most pleasure. Do you know God knows better than we do of what brings us pleasure? It's awesome. This brings us back to one of the core truths of the gospel. The reality that God loves us and he's for us and he's not against us. He desires the best for us. He designed our bodies not just for His glory, but also for our good. This is so good. It's good. This is why God, in His love, gives us boundaries for our bodies. He loves us and knows what's best for us. Do you think God knows what's best for us? That's why He put those those restrictions in the Bible. That's why He put them in the Bible to, to help us, to protect us. He desires to protect us from harm And provide for us something greater than we can see. The devil is a liar. He wants to tell you, you ought to try this, man, it's good. You ought to do this, it's good. Oh, this is really going to make you feel good. You need to do this. How about this? Man, you ought to, you know, try some of this. Drink some of this. Well, do, y'all ever hear? Smoke this, smoke that. Wow. Ooh. That's the devil. Yeah, isn't it just, he knows. But God's a good, good Father. Amen. That's why I sang that today. He's perfect in every way. Yeah. And He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for us, and He's, he's for us. You know, I watched my three children grow up. They're all grown, married, kids. I've got grandkids now. But I watched my kids all through the years growing up. And I, I gave them guidance. I gave them boundaries, not because I wanted to control them, but because I wanted to, uh, I love them and I wanted what's best for them and I wanted to protect them. Amen. What good parent wouldn't want to protect his kids? I didn't let them, I didn't let them play out in the street if I wasn't watching them. Amen. And any loving parent, father or parent would do that. And I still look after them, even though they're all grown and married and got kids of their own. I still look after them. I still see where they're at. And do you need you need anything? You need some help? You need we'll help you do this. this. And I still, when we go out to eat, we we'll always, me and Kim, always pay for the meal, the whole meal. It costs a lot of money to feed them kids now. <laughs> but I still look after them, even today, to some degree. Today, I don't, I don't try to butt into their marriage and their lives too much. And uh, they're, they're responsible for themselves now, and they're all grown. And I, I but I still oversee them. I still watch them. I, I look on Facebook and see what they're saying. <laughs> I follow them to the store. They don't know this. I follow them to the store see if they put the basket up. <laughs> I don't tell them how to live. I don't tell them how to live. I raised them. And, and they were all reading the Bible in the house. I raised them. They don't all make the right decisions all the time. They're not perfect. Amen. They're not perfect. Neither am I. But they're, they're, they're all serving God. They're all attending church regularly. They're good. They're all good kids. Patrick's one of them, you know. He plays guitar over here. And uh, I love them all. And my, my other son, Chad, plays the drums in a church in Austin. Y'all know Chad? My second son. Well, he was, a, he was the number two. Sally was the first. She was born first. She's the oldest. And then Chad and then Patrick was the baby. Patrick was bad. I tell everybody, that, that kid, that Patrick never gave me an ounce of trouble. Never. 
I don't think I did. I ever spank you, son? Did I? I don't think I did. You're just saying that the devil made you say that. Okay, we got to hurry up. Let's go a little further with this boundary thought. Let's go a little further. When we ignore God's good instructions and boundaries in regard to the use of our bodies, it's as if we're saying to God, you don't know what's best for this body. I do. You know, you don't know. I know better. And I'm going for it. That sounds a little bit arrogant, doesn't it? You're saying to, you're saying to God because you, you don't, just because his word says no to that, you say, well, you don't know what's good. I know that's good. I'm going to do it anyway. You arrogant. Your creator, you're talking to your creator like that. That's what you, I mean, you may not ever see it that way, but that's, that's exactly what you're doing is saying to God, I know better. No. And then we've had, we've had, we've had leaders say that to God publicly. That's wrong. That'd be like me, it'd be like my 12 year old uh, grandchild telling me how to drive through Houston. Are you crazy? But God in His love for us, but God, in His love for us, has told us in the Scriptures what is the best use of our bodies. And He's been very specific about it in His Word. From the very beginning of the Bible, we've seen that God's design was for a man and a woman to be joined together as one flesh in marriage. Genesis 2.24 says, just a minute. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother... And be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Chris gave me the, uh, she gave me, she sent me the, uh, since the, since the passage, the Passion Translation has a Genesis version now. She says, she, I said, I want it in the, in the Passion. Here's what it says in the Passion 224. And you did. It says, for this reason, a man leaves his father and his mother, catch this, Open your ear. To be unselfishly attached to his wife. What? They become one flesh as a new family. Unselfishly attached. Wow. I wish me and Kim would have known that when we first got married. Really. I'm not, y'all don't know this, but the first six or seven years of our marriage, we struggled. It was, it was hard. We did. We just was doing our own thing. I did my own thing. She did her own thing. We nearly divorced. Can you believe that? The devil tried to. She, he tried to destroy because he knew where we were. He knew where we were going to be. The devil didn't, but God did. Yes. And the devil was after us. And oh, I lost it. It says, and so the, the 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 bottom part says literally in the footnotes in his in his wife. This is the Hebrew word debak. And it means to follow hard after or attaching oneself to another as an act of unselfishness. The opposite of looking out only for yourself. It's totally the opposite. The the Son of God, likewise, left His Father to join Him to us, His bride. Wow, that is so good. That is so good. And I tell people in marriage counseling... You want to stay married? Serve one another unselfishly. Learn to serve one another unselfishly and stop all that other foolishness. And you'll stay married. We just want to, we just want our own stuff. We just want to satisfy our own bodies, our own desires, and we get selfish, and that's what happens. Ultimately, 
the devil wins and destroys us. The language of one flesh points to the personal nature of a marriage union. We become one flesh, one flesh. It's a relational bond between two people and not just any two people. This physical union is designed by God for a man and a woman who have committed their lives in a covenant relationship with each other. And the marriage covenant is very important to God. I know we got a lot of people, probably got some in this, in this church today, who are not married. But they've been together for years and maybe they already had kids and everything. But, but the marriage covenant is what God is looking for in the, in the marriage uh, ceremony. He wants you, the blessings are going to just blow you away when you do it God's way. Amen. This, uh, t- today's culture, just, uh, let's don't get married. Let's just live together for several years. See, make sure we're compatible. Well, you know, the devil's going to do his best to keep you from being compatible. Or he might keep you like that because he can keep you out of covenant with God. I didn't think of it that way, but he, he, may want, he may try to let you all alone so you can stay out of covenant with God and in covenant with yourselves, your own little clan. No, God loves the marriage covenant. And, he want, and the blessings flow from when you, when you do it God's way. Amen? All right. There's not one instance in all of God's Word. Listen to me. Not one instance in all of God's Word where God advocates or celebrates any form of physical intimacy outside of a marriage relationship between a husband and a wife. Not one. Not one. According to God, then, marriage is the safety zone in which this kind of intimacy is to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Also, according to God, this physical intimacy with anyone who is not your husband or your wife is sin. Whether that happens before marriage, during marriage, or after marriage. Did y'all hear that? Do y'all understand that? Now, just to bring us back to what the main subject of today's teaching is about, you will understand, and, and, and I pray that you, will, you can understand exactly what the main root cause of all the sin truly is. And that is, are you a God-glorifier or a self-gratifier? I mean, you can answer that. You, only you can answer that. I felt it was very important to teach this subject in this series because I believe most people who have any kind of church background, you've been attending church maybe somewhere in your life, and maybe you're back now, know, you know exactly what's right and wrong. Yes. And I think a lot of people do. They just choose to not be concerned about it. But we have many in the church today, and I believe here this morning, who don't really know what's right or wrong. You don't really know. You're just going by what the world says or what the world's doing and well, Hollywood's doing it. But let me be very clear and honest with you here. We've all sinned. We've all sinned. Everybody in this room, we've all sinned. And we all fall short of God's perfection, so we're not here to condemn anybody. But we're here to teach the gospel and help people to see how much God loves them and wants the best for them. There's forgiveness. There's forgiveness for every repentant heart and grace that saves every soul. And Jesus has paid the price on the cross for the punishment of every sin 
committed by the human race since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. And when you accept his sacrifice for your sin, guess what? He forgives and he forgets forever. But it doesn't end there. Your life in Christ, eternal life with God is yours. Abundant life right now on this earth is yours. As you say yes to God and his will for your life, you will receive his peace, his joy, his love and his protection and his guidance and wisdom. I mean, these are... You, you can't buy this stuff. You can't go to school and get this stuff. You get this from the Word. Listen, our lives on this earth are not perfect and we will experience highs and lows, but God promises us that He is always with us and we are never alone. Remember, He is for us and He's not against us. I don't know how many times i got to tell you that. But you need to get that in you. Everything we may experience on earth, Jesus is acquainted with. He's been through everything you think you've been through. And you're going through. He's been there. He's been through it all. And He cares about us more than we care about ourselves. People today are so uh, destroying their bodies uh, by, through sin, acts of sin. Destroying their bodies. And God loves them. He wants to help them. He wants to get them out of that. He wants to set them free. When you receive Jesus by faith, believing in what He's done for us through His sacrifice on the cross, you are made brand new. Brand new. The old you has died and is buried with Christ spiritually, and your spirit has been made alive in Christ, and He has raised, He, he was raised to new life, and so are you in Him. Yes. Galatians 5.16 says, To walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Y'all ever heard that? Yes. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The the Passion Translation puts it like this. As you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. I want to tell you a word. The Word of God will transform anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It is so powerful. In other words, you become a God-glorifier And not a self-gratifier. Give me some more of that. I want some more of that. I want to close with this challenge for all of us here today. I truly believe the church is willing to respond to the blatant immorality that we see around us. The issues of our time. But the real question is, how will will we respond? How will we respond? Remember where we started today? God is for us. So we we must be for all of us also. The first thing we, the church, must be willing to do is to repent of our own sins. We said this at the Minister Alliance. We talked about it. What can we do as churches to help bring people into the kingdom, bring them into the churches? And uh, Brother Rick Perkins, first one, spoke up, says, the church needs to repent of its own sins. Where we have been, we have been committing sins of, of omission. Yeah. It means we haven't been doing what we should have been doing all these years. Amen. And I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But it's not just it's not just the church. It's the people in the church. And we need to repent of our own sins. And we need to lighten up. I mean, light up, not lighten up. Light, light up. And allow God's healing to come. And then we, we must commit ourselves to help anyone and everyone who needs healing. There are people around us every day 
who need healing and restoration in their lives. We see them. We know them. Sinners are not our enemies. Paul, before he became St. Paul, the apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a murderer. Murdered Christians wrote half the New Testament. <laughs> and when the disciples found out later that he'd been born again and wanted to join the church, they were very leery of him, as we are of people today. Like everybody's, all the church is judging uh, Kanye West today. Is he for real? I don't know, you know. He's, boy, he, he was pretty foul. And he's, you know, he's married to that Kardashian girl and all this, you know. And I don't know about whether he's genuine or not. But thank God, in the old, in the back in the New Testament day, there was a Barnabas in the bunch who said, "I can see past where you've been. I see you. See, God sees those people that we see as sinners out there in the world. He sees them as believers coming to Christ one day." Just like you were. There are many people out there who are lost in their sin. And they need the church to be like Barnabas. Who can see past where they've been and respond with the love of Jesus. That's what we're to do today. That's what the church is called to be today. Go big on love. There's grace for every lost soul. Will you be the carriers of His grace? One, one more scripture and we're through. 1 John 2.6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's how we're supposed to live. And we know that's an impossibility in and of ourselves. But God! <laughs> in Christ, we can do all things. Amen? Let's be God glorifiers. Amen? Let's pray. Amen. Did you get anything out of this? You know who you are? You're a child of the King. An heir to the promises of God. And they are many, many, many. And they are yes and amen. For all of us. Man, what a God we serve. What an awesome God we serve. Let's start worshiping Him. Let's, let's lay aside the cares of this world and just look at, fix our eyes on Jesus and stare at Him. It's okay. It's okay. And I'll be, can I come back next week? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Next week, next Sunday, by the way, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. So, And we're going to do a baby dedication. It's going to be awesome next Sunday. So y'all come back. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bless these people. Help those, Lord, that are in this room. And they know they're in this room. They're in bondage. They're enslaved to sin. Help them, Lord. We pray for them. We, Lord, you want them to be free more than they want to be free. So we ask you to just touch them today, Lord. Heal them. Bring them to a place of recognition. Lord, that I need to say no to that because you give me the strength to say no. I can't do it in my own strength, but you can do it with me. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to have some people to pray. I don't know where my prayers are, but we'll have some people up here to pray. If you've never made Jesus Lord of